Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey, Amarillo is supported this week by Blue Handle Publishing, which is excited to announce the late October release of Picture Unavailable, the newest novel from award-winning Amarillo author Andrew J. Brandt. In this supernatural middle-grade thriller, which has been described as Stranger Things meets The Goonies, which, uh, to be clear, is already pushing my buttons. A trio of kids set out to solve the mystery of their missing friend, only to uncover the town's dark, decades-long secret. Sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. Picture Unavailable by Andrew J. Brent. You can pre-order it now at bluehandlepublishing.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout-out to Street Toyota, online at streettoyota.com and to U.S. Cleaners online at uscleanersamarillo.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm's September-October issue at brickandelm.com or pick it up at a local retailer near you. Today's guest is Tim Odet. Tim is the head of school at Ascension Academy, which is a private college prep school here in Amarillo. Now, Tim arrived to the city in the summer of 2020, which is a weird time to have to introduce yourself to a new place. And before that, he'd spent the previous decade at a private school in Ohio. He'd been working at a military academy in Virginia. Tim has a military background. He was an Army veteran from the 101st Airborne. And he has a lengthy educational background as a basketball coach, a history teacher, and an administrator. He's not a stranger to West Texas either. He got his undergraduate degree from Texas Tech. And so we talk about the journey that brought him back to this area, why Tim and his family are so happy to be in Amarillo, and the role that Ascension plays in the local educational world. So here's Tim Odit. Tim Odit, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Absolutely, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, sure. It's my pleasure to have you. I uh, I appreciate it, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. And I, I want to start with you the same way I start with all my guests, and that's just to ask how you ended up in this area. So what brought you to Amarillo? Yeah. So I, I think the easy way to answer that starts with a, a job brought me to Amarillo. Okay. Um, you know, But when you're looking at jobs, you also look at the areas you move to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, uh, my family was living in Northeast Ohio. Uh, so I think maybe a follow-up question to yours would be, well, how do you make that jump, right? Yeah. So, uh, so what brought you yeah, here from Ohio? Then? Yeah. So Ascension Academy uh, was was a place that really attracted me with their mission. So that's that's the work side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, my my wife is from Texas. Okay. Um, she and I met at Texas Tech, so we're not unfamiliar with the area. And uh, when when we saw where it was, it gave us a chance to move back to Texas for the first time in seventeen years. Okay. That was important to. Me and, and my wife and her family, and uh, that has been a great decision. Where are you from originally? So my father was actually in the Air Force. Okay. So I moved every three so years. So you're from all over then. I've, I've been north, south, east, west, overseas, mm-hmm. and had, had a chance to see a, a variety of people as a result. But I finished high school uh, in the Metroplex. So okay. I, I graduated from South Garland High School and then went from, from there to, to Texas Tech afterwards. Is there a reason Texas Tech was on your radar? Like... You know, there's a lot of a lot yeah. of places to go to college in the Metroplex yeah. area. There's there's a lot of options. Yeah, uh, it was the right distance from home. Okay, so it, it gave me a chance to spread my wings a little bit. I had friends from high school that were going there. Uh, I'd only spent two years in in the in the Metroplex area, so 
you know, I didn't really have a great feel for necessarily for where I wanted to go, but when I visited tech, I felt that it was the right place. Okay. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to do? Absolutely not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, no, I, I started as an accounting major and lasted one semester before I realized that this was not for me. Yeah, that's got to be a calling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One, that. one business class and that was it. So I, I sh- uh, shifted over to history, which I had a passion for. Uh, and even then I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I got to the end of my time at tech and realized literally I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, so I actually left tech and I, I joined the army Okay. Uh, to, to help me figure that out. I knew I wanted to serve and my, my family has all served. So, so you uh, hadn't graduated yet. I had not still, graduated. Okay. Yeah. How many years or semesters did you have under your uh, belt? Uh, I was one semester shy of of graduating. Okay. Yeah. Why do it then and not yeah. wait, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a few more months? Yeah. It, you know, when, when the decision was in front of me, I was married, okay. uh, married young. And when the decision was in front of me, I, I realized that, that I did not yet have the tools to, to, to really be successful post-college. I felt sure that taking a pause and serving, uh, serving the country was going to help me grow and, mm-hmm. and help me fill in some gaps that I needed to be filled in. Okay. But, so I, I'm interested to hear that because a lot of people enlist in the military mm-hmm. right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Like they think that's the step they want to do before college sure. or before moving into a, a technical career or something like that. What did you feel the military would offer you having had, you know, several years of college under your belt, but before, you know, finishing that, what, what were you looking for then? Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it really first starts with structure. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could have articulated that when I was 21 years old. Um, but, but that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that structure. There was an opportunity for me to be around others in a, in a collaborative way that really resonated with me. Um, you know, a huge part of the army is, is teamwork. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and as a, as a very mediocre high school athlete, uh, you know, I I missed some of that as, as well. And I think that it was important. And then I think just that, that sense of, doing something that's bigger than you was, was really important to me as well. Um, and, and when you get down to it, uh, you know, one of those core army values is selfless service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's, you know, listening to the military certainly doesn't bring you uh, financial rewards. Um, but those other rewards that are there uh, come from that selfless service. Okay. How many years did you serve? Four. All right. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you stationed? In a single place? Did you move yeah. around? Like, what, yeah. what did that look so like? After training, I, I was uh, assigned to the 101st Airborne Division. So I was stationed out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Okay. Um, and then from there, the, the government, you know, chose to give me some some paid vacations to lovely places across the globe. Okay. So, are, yeah. th- are those places you yeah. can speak about? Sure, absolutely. They- <laughs> yeah, it's not top secret. Yeah, no. It, it wasn't intelligence uh, work. No, 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 no. no nothing that fancy. Uh, just... Had the, had the opportunity to to be both in Afghanistan and Iraq in those okay. opening opening days of, of both those uh, those operations. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I want to be sensitive to to asking you about those things. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that 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 uh, can be hard for some people. But yeah. tell me a little bit about what you did mm-hmm. uh, in in those two situations. Yeah. So I was in the infantry. So it's the the pointy end of the spear mm-hmm. and. Uh, for for both those, my my regiment was the only one that went back to back Afghanistan to to Iraq, mm-hmm. um, and in the opening days of, of both those, um, we were involved in combat operations uh, throughout both Afghanistan and my time there and and in Iraq. Okay, so, what were the years there? So 
uh, it was 2002 okay. for Afghanistan and then 2003 for Iraq. Okay. Yep. And, you know, having gotten to the other side of that, mm -hmm. did you have a sense of, you know, once you return home, uh, once your your tour of duty is mm -hmm. is over, did you know what you wanted to do? I mean, was there ever, ever a consideration of a full time you know military career and, and continuing that way? Or oh, certainly, I love the army and it it has really given me a foundation to be successful in so many ways. Uh, however, I had a daughter that was three when I got out, mm -hmm. and I had seen her one of those three years. Wow! And uh, in in talking with my wife, we we looked around the the guys I was serving with, and the divorce rates just through the roof. Yeah, uh, and. It's really hard on spouses who who stay behind but also serve. So we came to a, a conclusion that while that possible military career would have been something enticing for me, that as a family it, it was it was something we needed to move on from. Mm -hmm. um, however, back to that first part of your question, when I was in the army and through my experiences there, it, it really crystallized for me that I, I wanted to be an educator. Hmm. Uh, and what struck me was the guys I was with, because a lot of them were younger than me, and a lot of them were right out of high school, they didn't have the options I had. And they didn't have that experience of, of education to, to help them. And they were completely capable. They were completely capable guys. Uh, the infantry is all, all males at, mm -hmm. at the time, so I don't, I'm, I'm not being exclusive. Uh, so it, it hit me that if those guys would have had a different experience in their education, they might be in a different position. Sure. So it, it crystallized for me and, and set me on the path uh, to get me where I'm at today. Okay. So what did that path look like then? Yeah. I mean, did, did you go yeah. back to so tech finished, and no, finish school? No, I, I actually finished at UT Arlington. Okay. Um, had a, a little bit left to clean up. Um, so I, I got home and spent some time with my daughter uh, to, to make sure she knew who I was. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, finished at, at UT Arlington. And uh, my, my wife was working at a private school in Dallas. And I started to coach there uh, as a basketball coach initially. And we, we both really enjoyed that private school environment and the relationships you could have with students and the impact you could have. So we, we began to look and um, we used a search firm and we ended up at a, at a school in Virginia okay, um, where we, we taught together uh, at the same school. And uh, I began as a history teacher. So I got to use that, that foundation I, I got at Tech and, and I taught world history and U.S. history. Uh, and then, as always, with uh, the the new person on the totem pole, uh, they, they made sure I was actively engaged in a lot of other areas. Sure. So, uh, so I ended up uh, coaching football. I coached basketball, which was my passion, uh, and then ended up coaching a, a season or two of baseball as well. And then, as as I was growing there in, in my profession and learning how to teach and and uh, trying to be the best coach I could possibly be, uh, doors kept opening. And I, every time we thought about moving back to Texas, a new Position came up, hmm. so uh, I spent four years there as the athletic director and, uh, and and basketball coach. And then, right about the time we were ready to come back to Texas, I was moved up to the assistant head of school position for another four years. And then that changed my career path. I went from just being a teacher and a coach, right, or an AD and a coach, uh, which by the way is a great job, from being an AD and a coach to you know now where what was I going to do in the in the future in a more meaningful way, right. Uh, and so I had a great mentor, and and uh, as a matter of fact, he told me I was I was going to be the next uh, assistant head of school, and I said no, I'm not. And he he obviously he knew my wife, and he said you go home and talk to Jennifer and and tell me tomorrow what you're going to do. And and I came back in the next day and said no, I'm I'm going to do it. Um, 
So really that opened up the door for me to, to advance in administration to, into that head of school position. Okay. What yeah. kind of school was that? I mean, you said it was a private school. Was it mm-hmm. a private religious yeah. school? Was it just yeah. a... So it was all boys military school. Okay. And it was a boarding school. So that's a different environment. They, it is. They're, yeah. they're there 24-7. But you um, had some experience with but that, Correct. So. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, it was a college prep school, uh, but that, that military side of it brought a, a component of structure for, the, for, for those young men that were there with us. Um, and so not only did they really come out of that with a preparation for college, but we also had some some really stellar athletics that went with okay. it too. So and so that was in Virginia. In Virginia, you mm-hmm. said you came here from Ohio, from Ohio. So I imagine there's another move, at least another move in there. Yeah. So towards that tail end of my time as an assistant head, you know, the next jump was going to be up. Right. I wanted to to, to move forward with my career. Uh, and so when you're looking at, at heads of school positions, it's, it's tough to just focus on one area. So we cast a very wide net. In, in our search, and we ended up at a uh, a school outside of Cleveland in Ohio, and uh, that's where I became uh, head of school for the first time. Okay, also yeah. a military school. No, nope. was this a it different? Was, it was not a military school, but it was an all boys boarding school. Okay, so another college prep school. Yeah. And how long were you in that position? So two years. Okay, so it was it, it was a quick turnaround. It, it, we we enjoyed it. We loved the area. Um, Cleveland is very underrated. So yeah. I'll, I'll put a plug in for Cleveland. If I've, you, I've heard that. Yeah, it, it has a bad rap. It, but. it, it does. Uh, the food's amazing. Largest uh, playhouse district outside of New York City. So a lot to do there. Um, however, you know, we talk about the, the draw of family as part of our reason coming back. That that draw became more important. And when Ascension opened up, I wasn't even really looking at, at anywhere else. So it, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a full-blown search. It was one school I happened to see, and then I went home and I told my, my wife, I might just take a look at this. And I had an initial call with a search firm that uh, was helping Ascension place their next head of school. And he told me afterwards, he emailed me afterwards, Tim, you, you, need, to, you need to apply. Hmm. So I uh, got my material together and, and started the, the, the more formal process. Before we talk about Ascension, yeah. tell me... You know, you you ended up in an administrative position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after you'd coached, after you'd been a teacher, after you'd been an athletic director, mm-hmm. is is there something about that head of school or head of school type, you know, position that you feel really suits, you know, your your interest, your skill set, mm-hmm. all those things? Yeah. Why have you Why have you landed there? Everyone wants to be the boss, right? I, I, I think that's <laughs> that's all no, it is. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> so you can boss people, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that is part of it. But what what I felt is I, I had such a variety of experiences in schools that I could bring all those experiences together to to assist a faculty and staff and, and the students of a school in a way that was um, holistic and well rounded. Okay, uh, that, that's really important to me. And through those experiences I had as an assistant head where I was exposed to every facet of a school, I felt like I had a good understanding of, of what that means. And, and there's the, the student side of it, curriculum base, what sports you have, et cetera. Um, but there's also a business side of it. Mm-hmm. And as I learned more about that, that really resonated with me um, because I, I could tell you for sure that every day is a unique challenge in, in managing that and, and growing an entity like a, like a private school. Uh, so, I, I do, you know, I, I always want to be challenged in, in moving forward and, and being in that the head of school position at a private school will do that daily. Okay. In just a variety of ways. So it that, that's really a draw too. 
When did you arrive here at Ascension then? When, when was your first year? So I, this is my beginning of my third year. Mm-hmm. So we moved smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Okay. As a matter of fact, we, we were going to come out and house hunt over our spring break in Ohio and and Ohio shut down yeah. at the very beginning. Uh, and so did Emerald. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I actually drove by myself out here and I, I spent one Friday. I saw 23 houses wow. in one Friday and then drove straight back to, to Ohio. We could get into marital, marital advice. Um, you gotta be really careful if, if you're choosing a house with your spouse, uh, 2000 miles away. Um, but I'm not divorced. So I think that's, I did. Okay. So right? That's fraught yeah. with a lot of, uh, a lot of danger. Yeah, um, but it, it worked out. Uh, and then we moved out here in June, two Junes ago. So, uh, again, a little bit different because it was just a different feeling. Yeah, I'm still it, right in the middle of, yeah, of um, stuff being shut down. And, and certainly a challenge for, uh, you know, a first year at a, at a new school as well. Okay, so Ascension had been around for several years, mm-hmm. obviously, before you arrived here. Tell me about the school as you were introduced to it, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm sure that, that you've put your mark on it, maybe made some changes, sure. but, but when you got here, what was the state of Ascension Academy? First and foremost, the, the board felt it was poised to, to grow into, to the next step. So we, we just finished our, our 22nd year. Mm-hmm. So the school's incredibly young still. Uh, I, I would equate it to a teenager. Okay. Um, and so there's, there's natural growth with any organization at certain periods, and and we were in a period where uh, there was opportunities for for growth and expanding what we would do, but it was certainly presented as uh, a very good academic school, um, the only college prep school in the Panhandle, and uh, I, I knew that that was something that I was going to have to embrace and and maintain and advance, while while also addressing school growth and and ways that the school can better illustrate our return on investment to, to new families. So. I, I know that, you know, maybe for listeners who aren't super familiar with Ascension, that, that it occupies a unique place mm-hmm. in the Amarillo educational system and uh, that it is a private school, but it's not a religious private school Correct. by design, yes. or by founding. It's, it's a prep school. And, you know, that when it was introduced here, that was new. We mm-hmm. didn't have something like that. And I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about why it exists in the first place. You know, yeah. maybe the history and the desire sure. to create a, a college prep school, you know, in a place that, that does have a reputation yeah. for pretty strong public schools, mm-hmm. for strong private parochial schools. So yeah. what was the role or the purpose of Ascension when it was mm-hmm. first founded? Yeah. So there was a group of parents that had experience both in public schools and also through our parochial system who saw a opening in in our overall academic environment in Amarillo for a college prep school. And so you had a group of these like-minded parents that came together and started very small. They started fundraising. They started thinking about what this would actually look like. And they went out to other schools across the Southwest and looked at similar schools to what what Ascension has become. What they saw, whether it's parochial or, or public, um, what they saw was there was a void in schools that were going to be specific to preparing students for college. So you mentioned earlier, we, we don't have a, a affiliation with a church, uh, whether it's a Protestant church or the Catholic church, 
so that allows us to focus on 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 what we're doing academically on a daily basis. You know, we're we're different than a public school. We have similar offerings sometimes, but the size of our schools sets us apart. And they were looking to make sure that they had this this right size school mm-hmm. that was going to meet the needs of students in a, in a way that was different on a daily basis and challenge them to become ready for college. Right. So when we talk now, uh, we, we talk about three things in our mission. So we're, we're a college prep school and a great question is, well, what does that mean? Right? Yeah. So all of our students are going to get into college. They graduate from Ascension. We know they're going to get into college. I'll, I'll put on my plug. I promise I won't do it too much. You know, last year we had a small graduating class of 14 they were accepted into almost 50 colleges and universities with $1.7 million in merit-based scholarship, okay. right? That's pretty so impressive. They're going to get into college. Yeah. Right. Uh, but our job is not just that. We want to give them the tools to be successful when they get there. So when you look at, and that's what sets us apart. When you look at the rates that students drop out of schools in the United States, it's much higher than you would think, right? Mm-hmm. For boys and girls, boys have a higher dropout rate than girls. Maybe that's a different conversation altogether. However, we know that by by filling their toolbox with things beyond academics, we're going to set them up to be successful when they get there. Right. So the second part of our mission that really excites me is we want to maximize the potential of each of our students. So inside of our small school, average class size of 11, our faculty know our students. Okay. They meet them wherever they're at, and they're going to move them on to get the best out of what that individual could do. And we work with our parents in that process to make sure we're on the same page, right? And, and for those two things, that's kind of the secret to our success and what leads to our return on investment. Um, and it also means that we're, we're open to students that, that maybe um, you would think are not college prep material. Um, however, when they're in smaller settings, they get focused attention. They get a supportive environment that works with their families they also realize that that they are college bound too. Right. Right. It so, allows them to flourish maybe it, in a way that it, the larger classrooms ab- did not. Absolutely. Right. There's nowhere to, there's no cracks to fall through. You 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 can't hide. Yeah. Uh, with ten other kids in the classroom, you cannot hide. I was gonna ask, yeah. I wonder what kinds of students or maybe what what kinds of parents, you know, decide Ascension is a place mm-hmm. for my child. Because I, I know that in terms of college prep. You know, there are very successful students who have come through the public school sure. system, Emerald Absolutely. High, Paladuro, yep. Tascosa. And so for the high achieving students, they don't mm-hmm. really have the hurdles that maybe a larger class mm-hmm. might have. But who are the students who end up at Ascension that do flourish? What yeah. what are they getting and, and, and why is that helping them? Yeah. Because of our small community, they're getting opportunities that they probably wouldn't in other places. So you could be a very high achieving person at one of those, those schools you mentioned and be successful at, academically in other ways. Um, for our high achieving students, you're going to have a student that is also going to be in the theater. They're going to be a student that's also going to be an athlete. 92% of our students participate in our team sports. Okay. Uh, you're going to have a student that is gonna, going to, to be in our, in our band um, or our, our leadership council. Right. So we look for a well-rounded individual and they're going to take that inherent uh, ability to be successful academically. And then they're going to grow in other areas and get lessons from there's great lessons to be learned from from being on a team mm-hmm. um, that if you're not part of that, you're, you can't get that just through academics. Right. So we talk about how we're going to set them up for success in college. 
you know, having the chance to say, be on that team is going to get them to understand how you set team goals, how you work inside that team environment, how you deal with friction from a teammate that's your own age. Yeah. Right. So those three things I just mentioned are things that they're going to then apply in college when they get in that class. Okay. So it's actually getting them out of the books in some cases and more real world experiences. And then in our classroom, we're going to push them to academically to be the best they possibly can be. And we, you know, we know that you you could look at our test scores, AP or SAT, and we're going to, we're going to be higher than Texas averages and global averages across the board. Um, So academically we're pushing our students to make sure they're, they're being successful too. And, you know, the last thing is we're safe. You know, something that's, that's really unique that parents look for. When they come and tour and they look around our our hallways, there's no locks on lockers. Their, their bags are in front of their, their lockers. Their lunch boxes are in front of their lockers. Um, you know, we're an accepting community uh, of, of students. Kids nowadays are pretty accepting anyways, in general. Yeah, kids are. Uh, more, more so, more than, so than the more larger so than, institution. Yes. Like. Yeah. Um, so... Um, but we're an accepting community. We're a safe community, and uh, and that really resonates with families. Tell me about you know as you know you you've been here now. This is your third year, I guess. You know not not just where Ascension is now, but like where <laughs> you hope for it to be. Like what are what are some of the goals looking forward as the school grows, yeah. as you know more more kids come through it. Yeah. So so we ha- we have grown, which is great. It's 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 great to grow during a pandemic. Um, we've we've been able to weather our current economic situation very well. Did the pandemic drive any of that growth? Like, did you see kids who weren't flourishing in, you know, the Zoom classrooms and some of that 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 came your direction? So, I, I think it I think it crystallized for parents the need for a change. Okay. Um, and I don't know that it was due to Zoom classes or uh, or any other reason other than they had a different way to think about things. Um, well, and that was so, the case everywhere, everywhere. I mean, with careers and jobs and yes. teachers even. It's- Absolutely. Um, so I, I think there there was a different way they approached it. Um, but we've seen that continue, even though the pandemic is you know, doesn't have as grip on us like it like right. it did a couple of years ago. We feel that is gonna is gonna continue. Okay. You know? So you know, we talk about goal wise, you know, we, we want to continue to grow. Um, but we're we're gonna be mindful in our growth because we don't want to lose our our sense of community that we have through how our, our classes are arranged and the size of the, the the student body as well. Purposeful, targeted growth okay. is what we're looking for. You know, we want to get out there and make sure people know who we are in Amarillo and and what we can also do. Uh, I think that's really important for us. Um, and we want to be better members of our community. We have kids that are doing community service every year. You know, we want to continue that process. And, and uh, you know, we, we're, we're open as a, as a polling place. You know, for for us, that's what we we want to do to to be part of our Amarillo community, okay. um, because I think that's really important as well that that people know that we are a member of of the community. And we want to help. I want to close this section by by talking about the community. Just knowing that you are someone who has only lived here for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, your your family's only been here for less than three years, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and you knew Texas, you knew Lubbock, and mm-hmm. and Texas Tech. What did you find upon arriving here in, in Amarillo and kind of planning yourself here? What we found that that we've enjoyed uh, inside of Ascension and out is is the sense of community that Amarillo does have. Um, you know, we we have a daughter in college also. We have a ninth grade son that goes to Ascension. And our, our ninth grade son has has really enjoyed Amarillo as, as a whole. Um, we're also coming from two towns that were really one stoplight towns. 
So for us, this is still the big city okay. in, in some ways. Uh, so, so we've appreciated some of the diversity that's here. We've appreciated the amenities that are here and, um, all in all, we've, we've really enjoyed our time in Amarillo. Um, did you have a perspective on Amarillo before you came? Like, did you, did you know uh, much about um, this area? So we'd, we'd been up a, a little bit when, when I was in college, uh, I actually, um, left for basic training from, from Amarillo. Okay. We, we knew, we, obviously we knew wind. We had a general idea of, of, of the weather. Um, but we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about the the role that Amarillo serves in the panhandle. Um, we, we've learned a lot about who the people of Amarillo are as, as well. And, and Jason, they're unique and, you know, they're individual. And some may say that's still that, that pioneer spirit. Uh, I, I think many would like to say that for sure. And it, it's really been interesting to see how they interact, support each other and support the school. This episode of Hamrello hey is supported by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college. He's taken care of my kids' teeth since they were little. Uh, in fact, my son Owen is at Texas A&M right now, but right before he left for the fall semester, he went to get a cleaning from Dr. Sauer. Dr. Sauer is a national speaker on Invisalign, and he uses that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning. You can learn more by following Shimon Dental on Facebook or visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. This week's podcast is also supported by the Communication Department at West Texas A&M University. WT offers nationally recognized degree programs in digital media, digital journalism, advertising, communication studies, public relations, and there's a fully online strategic communication emphasis. So many media professional friends of mine, people like Wendy Swope, Jackie Kingston, Andy Justice, Wilson Lemieux, they are products of this program. My own daughter is a product of that program. The campus radio station KWTS, also known as 91.1 The One, is at the heart of the department, and it will be celebrating its 50th anniversary this year at WT's homecoming, which is this Saturday, October 1st. You'll hear KWTS alumni on the radio from 2 to 6 p.m., plus a live remote set up in the tailgating area near the stadium. So to learn more, check out wtamu.edu slash the one. That's T-H-E-O-N-E. Okay, I'm back with Tim Odit from Ascension Academy. Tim, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. It's the largest history museum in Texas. And in addition to its huge collection, it also offers a ton of educator resources, including lesson plans for teachers from elementary school through high school. You can learn more about that and current exhibits at panhandleplains.org. Okay, so you've only been here for three years, but I'm going to ask you this question anyway. When you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? So I hope for growth. And, and I see that the potential for growth here, uh, new businesses moving into the area, I think is going to continue. I think Amarillo Economic Development Corporation has has a, a vision for what Amarillo is, it has the potential to become. Um, I, I really enjoyed seeing their presentation. And I, I feel that the, the more that the town grows, the healthier it's going to be long term. Uh, and, you know, right now, I, I feel that we're on the cusp of that growth. And we're really going to start seeing it accelerate in this next decade. Yeah, when Ascension built its its campus yeah. 15 years ago yeah. or so, no, I mean, moved, it was yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And the city has come closer and creeping, closer, creeping. you know, other side of Sansi there. Mm-hmm. 
Other than wind, which you mentioned, what does this area have too much of? Okay, so I thought I thought about this one, and so I'm going to be tongue in cheek, uh, half funny, half half serious. It's completely different for me, but maybe too many water stills and H2Os. So I was explaining this to a friend of mine in Ohio, and they couldn't wrap their head around the business model that's going on there, and, and you see them all over the place. So maybe there's too many of those. However, I, I will say that my wife and children love them and are frequent frequent visitors. Another podcast guest uh, yeah. brought that up just yeah. a few weeks ago, and she was not from this area, and she was she just thought it was strange that they're selling water yeah. to a place where you can get water for free. And you just, I've not seen it really outside of mm-hmm. of West Texas. I think it's a it's a commentary on uh, maybe how the water tastes and and how people feel about tap water. True. Yeah. Um, and of course, tea. And some people and love Tex- it. Yeah. Texans love tea. The tea is, uh, that's not surprising to yeah. me. Um, what does this area not have enough of? So I, I put this to my, my family as well, um, but I'll, I, will, I will save their, <laughs> their, theirs later. Um, you know, we, we have, I mentioned earlier, we came to these two one-stop light towns. So, you know, I, I don't think it's amenities. I don't think it's, uh, you know, th- things of that nature. We've been, we've been really thrilled with, with what Amarillo offers in, in those areas. I would say not what it, it's, it's an obvious one. You know, we, we do miss the rain and the trees. That's that's probably the the, the big thing. Virginia or Virginia Ohio, Ohio had a lot of both. Have us um, beat. So th- so that is probably the one one area where I, I would say yeah, I, I kind of miss those things. Okay, yeah. that that sounds right to me. Yeah. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? Yeah, a a city in a small town's clothing. Okay, that's how I, I start with it. I think a, a lot of people feel that way about Amarillo, and uh, you know, once once I start with that. I think it's really important to 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 remind them that the size of Amarillo, that it's over two hundred thousand people, that it's a hub city, that during the day people come from all over the Panhandle for for the things that are in Amarillo, and you would be surprised. Even people in in Dallas and and around Texas, they don't really grasp how big the city is mm-hmm. uh, and and what it does have to offer and what the role it plays in in the Panhandle. Um, so you know, talk about that, and again, that that critical role for for Amarillo and the surrounding area. Okay. What is your favorite street in Amarillo? So Polk street. Okay. So we, you know, we enjoy the bar field. We enjoy, you know, whether, whether it's crush or, or I think it's six, six car, six car. right. Um, just the chance to, to go out and get, get good food and an adult beverage every now and then that would be where we would go. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? So I'm going to, I'm going to split this. I'm going to split into two. Um, so Lone Star Bar and Grill. All right. Uh, on FM 1151 mm-hmm. is probably our, our favorite. Um, but when we're looking for something different, and you got to keep in mind, we've been outside of Texas for 17 years. El Tejavin is very good. Okay. So that the, the food is is different in Texas. We've missed it the whole time we've been gone. And to have that flavor of something's a little bit more, more uh, unique and authentic is important to us. Okay. I, I think um, I think that's the first time anybody's mentioned Lone Star Bar and Grill yeah. on the podcast. Uh, and it, it is one of those places that it's yeah. easy to miss. It's easy mm-hmm. to have never heard of it. You're not going on the way out to like Tanglewood or something, yep. but, um, it has a passionate, you know, clientele mm-hmm. that, that go to that restaurant. Is, yeah. is there something you go for? Like, do you, do you go for a well, steak? steak we, we, we would definitely go for steak. Although my, my kids both love the hamburger there. Okay. Um, and it's just a unique atmosphere. It is. It's, it's local, it's Texas and you, you're going to always be treated well there. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we, I, I got to wear a suit coat every day and it's nice to go somewhere where I could wear a t-shirt. Got it. So, What's your favorite coffee shop? Oh, this is going to be disappointing. Yeah. So still Starbucks. 
Okay. Um, and, you know, it's consistent. I know what's going on there. Uh, however, I will say for, for our students, if I were to ask my students, it would definitely be Palace. All right. Yep. There's always students in uh, Palace yeah, working. You, you could, on any given night, I guarantee you could find an Ascension student there on their homework, either collaborating with somebody else or by themselves. All right. And uh, last question, when was the last time you visited Paladuro Canyon? It's been since late spring, uh, largely because we avoided the heat. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that I knew Paladuro from from tech. My, my friends and I would rent tents from our rec center, and we were in Paladuro probably four times a, a school year. Wow, okay. While we were there. So that was when we were coming back to Amarillo, we were all looking forward to, to Paladuro. Um, so my son and I are working our, our way through every trail, and we're we're about forty percent done with, with with the trails, and we'll okay. we'll knock out the rest soon. All right, uh, and well, the, the trails keep growing too. That's, so that's always that's adding to it. Yeah, and, and if they keep moving, we'll keep going. All right. Well, Tim, that concludes the eight straight uh, portion of the show. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So, what's yeah. one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Ascension, come see us. Right. If you if you want to talk about it, I'll open my office doors and and we'll talk all day long. But really, I, I, I want to branch off from that. And uh, coming from from that Cleveland area, we always had great pizza, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give a plug for Pizza Nomad. Okay. Started off as a pizza truck. They mm-hmm. have their own location on Georgia now. Excellent pizza. It's the best in Amarillo and reminds us of of what you might find in in Cleveland or back east. Okay, that's good to know. You know, Amarillo has some really good pizza places. Mm-hmm. And the arrival of Pizza Nomad, um, I, I think, was sort of surprising. All of a sudden, there's this food truck yeah. making really good pizza, yeah. and and they've just continued on now that they've got a, a retail location. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, they come out, they bring their food truck out once every three weeks or so at school for, for our lunch. Um, so it's good. All right. Well, good to know. Tim Odit, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate uh, it. Thanks for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Tim for the interview. You can learn more about Ascension Academy at ascensionacademy.org. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors Shim and Dental, Blue Handle Publishing, KWTS The One, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the show. This podcast exists on a weekly basis because, well, people listen to it. So thank you for being one of those people who listens. It's also present here in the world on an ongoing basis because of the people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Hamarello. Hamarello's executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Jess Heredia, Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 267. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>